Hey, Pastor Josh here. Thanks so much for watching our videos. If you'd like more information about Legacy City Church, you can go to LegacyCityChurch.com. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and hit the bell below. God bless you. We're in Matthew chapter 6 in our Bibles. Matthew chapter 6. And we are working through a series I've titled Jesus Worldview. Jesus Worldview. Uh, not my worldview. Um, not uh, our city's worldview, not our nation's worldview. I'm sorry. I want to know Jesus' worldview. I kind of don't care what the world thinks anymore because they kind of had their chance, and they just keep messing everything up. And so uh, I, I want to look at the Lord Jesus and what he has said. He hasn't failed me yet, and he seems to anchor my soul over and over again, and so we look closely at what he has said. We are in Matthew chapter 6 in our Bibles this is sermon number 23 through the book of Matthew, and thank you for journeying with me through it. Heard of a story, maybe you heard of this one too. Man was walking along a beach, and he was fasting and praying unto the Lord, fasting and praying unto the Lord that day in deep prayer, and all of a sudden he just shouted out, Lord, Lord, please, would you grant me one wish, please, anything that I would ask, true story. Suddenly the sky became full of clouds above his head, and in a booming voice the Lord said, Okay, because you have tried to be faithful to me in everything, I will grant you one wish. The man moved, thought about this for a while, and said, Thank you, Lord. My one wish is that you would build a bridge from my house to the Bahamas so I can drive there anytime I want to. The Lord said, What? Your request is very materialistic. Think of the logistics of that kind of undertaking, the supports required to reach the bottom of the ocean, the concrete and steel it would take. I can do it, but it is hard for me to justify your desire for worldly things. Take a little more time and think about another, something else that you would love to know about and honor me with. The man thought about it for a long time. Finally, he said, Lord, I wish I could understand women. They are the most complex, amazing beings on the earth. I'm not smart enough to understand them. I want to know how they feel inside, what they are thinking when they give me the silent treatment or when they're crying at a movie or why they say, when they say nothing. I want to know what they're thinking. How can I make a woman truly happy, he says. After a few minutes, God said, you want two lanes or four lanes on that bridge? Come on. It's just a joke. Come on. Lighten up. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. It was my wife. My wife approved it. It was okay, so. The title of the message today, if you're taking notes, is what happened to fasting? What happened to fasting? Question mark. Jesus is going to talk about prayer and fasting today. What happened to fasting? Lifehack.com actually tells us some interesting facts about fasting. Check this out. Number one, fasting can help weight loss. Fasting can be a safe way to lose weight, as many studies have shown that intermittent fasting, fasting that is controlled within a set number of hours, allows the body to burn through fat cells more effectively than just regular dieting. So this would be like you only eat like eight hours of the day from like 12 noon to like 8 p.m., and then you let your body fast for the other hours of the day, and it actually does amazing things. A lot of athletes do this. 
Number two, fasting improves insulin sensitivity. Fasting has shown to have a positive effect on insulin sensitivity, allowing you to tolerate carbohydrates better. Yes, fasting can do this. Fasting speeds up, number three, metabolism, it says. It actually causes you to burn through your calories faster. Fasting also promotes longevity. Believe it or not, the less you eat, the longer you will live, studies say. F number five, fasting improves your hunger, actually. Just think about that. Can you actually experience real hunger if you eat a meal three, every three to four hours, which is the American way? It's what we do. Of course you can't. It says, but if you would not eat for 12 to 24 hours, your body actually feels what people for thousands of years have felt. Um, we never get there because of our environment. Fasting improves your eating patterns as well, and it can help you control your eating. Number seven, fasting improves your brain function. It actually boosts uh, production of protein in the brain and allows your brain to move faster. Fa uh, fasting improves your immune system as well. Intermittent fasting improves the immune system because it reduces free radical damage, regulates inflammatory conditions in the body, and starves off cancer cells. Yes, fasting does this. Uh, number nine, it, it contributes to self-enlightenment. People who fast or meditate or pray during a time of fasting seem to be um, enlightened spiritually. We know that comes with our time with God in prayer. And finally, it says that fasting can actually help your skin on a very high level. Um, just by going through intermittent fasting, it will clear up the problems of skin. Where did fasting go in Christianity, and why does it sound like some ancient art form that people used to do thousands of years ago? Fast? What? Who does this? Well, the Christian church did this very, very often. Here's a few questions I'm going to answer today about fasting if you're taking notes. Why, or so, what is fasting, number one? Why do we fast? What's wrong with uh, fasting? Is there anything wrong with it? What's the right way to fast? And what are the benefits of fasting? Jesus talks about it, so I'm talking about it today. What do you say? Jesus has just talked about prayer, not doing it to be seen in Matthew chapter 6. Do you remember? He's like, don't be like the Pharisees. Don't go and stand on the corner and say, everybody look at me. Look at my prayers. Look at my holy garbs. Look at how I pray in such depth. Look at my vocabulary in my prayer, the Pharisee would do. But their heart was far from God. And Jesus says, you see that man over there in the corner beating his chest, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, in tears. God hears that prayer. He doesn't hear the fancy one over there because that guy's heart isn't even in it. And it always comes back to the heart. Then he explained how to pray. Jesus actually broke down in our last sermon how to pray. There aren't very many things that the, that the disciples asked Jesus to teach them. It was like, hey, Lord, can you teach me that walking on water trick again? I love that one. I want to do that for people. Blow their minds. The one thing they asked Jesus to teach them was this. Lord, how do we pray? Why? Because they saw him doing it all the time. Jesus would be there preaching like a thousand people, and then he'd be like, I'm out. I'm out of here. They're like, where are you going? I'm going up on the mountain to go pray. What? How long are you going to be there? I'm going to be there all night. You want to come? Uh, no, I'll be down here in my bed. Mark 135, it says, Jesus, very early in the morning before the sun even rose, he would get up and go to a solitary place by himself and pray. Before the sun's even up, he's talking to his father. 
They, they recognized that the secret to Jesus' ministry was his prayer life with his father. We've talked about this, the four Ps. Prayer in private gives you power in public. See, because my heart isn't right with God when I'm alone, when I get in front of people, nothing connects, nothing works. And I've seen this in my own life over and over and over again. When I am secure in my relationship with God, when I am anchored in Him, everything that I am doing in life seems to work better. But when this is all messed up back here, then everything in front of me starts to get messed up. doesn't matter what it is, family, marriage, business, whatever you may, doing, may be doing, it really all comes back to your relationship with God. We're going to read Matthew chapter 6, just a couple of verses today, three verses, and uh, we will look at what Jesus has to say about prayer and fasting. Can we stand for the reading of God's Word? Is that okay? We always stand for the reading of God's Word to remember whose Word we are reading, not mine. Uh, my words will not help you, Okay. <laughs> Uh, they may encourage you a little bit. They may motivate you a little bit, but they can't transform your heart and your mind. I don't have the power to do that. If I could, I would actually do that over our coffee meetings. I would transform you. I would do an abracadabra thing, and I would, I would make it happen, but I can't. I have to give you what the Lord Jesus has said. He alone has the power to transform a human into the image of himself. Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 16, it says, When you fast... Jesus saying to his disciples, when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word anchors us through all the storms of this society and this culture, trying to figure out up from down, left from right. Lord, we need your truth to cut through it all. You are the compass. You are the true north. And so we look to you now when we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would minister to us in this place. We need you, Lord. We are dependent upon you and you alone. Have your way. Have your way in this text. Have your way in our lives. We give this time to you now. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Fasting in the New Testament is the word nistuo. It occurs 20 times in 15 verses in the Greek. It occurs 20 times in 15 verses. It means to abstain as a religious exercise from food or drink either entirely if the fast lasted but a single day, or from customary, a choice nourish, nourishment. It can continue set for several days. This is the word fasting in the New Testament. Fasting is abstaining from anything in the world that may distract us or feed our flesh to pull us from the Lord. It's giving up something to focus more on God. That's what it is. When we say, I'm fasting from something, it means I'm giving up something again, to spend that time focusing on the Lord. Or maybe I feel my flesh, I feel the sinful desires of me being pulled too much in that direction. I will fast from that thing. And this is a, um, a discipline I remember us trying to do as young men because we wanted to get our minds and our bodies under control. And so me and a group of brothers, we would choose a day 
uh, once a month to fast or a couple days to fast, and we would all go in it together. We'd be like, okay, you guys ready? Tuesday, Wednesday, we're going to fast, and we're going to cry out to the Lord. And then at the end of that fast, on Wednesday night, we would meet at one of the brothers' house or one of the families at a a cool house, and it had a theater in there. And we'd go in the theater room, and we would get on our knees in a circle, a bunch of brothers, and we would pray for about an hour, hour and a half, seeking the Lord for our own souls and for the people that we knew, for our own lives. And then after that, we ordered the most pizza you could ever imagine. And we just had a blast, partying, eating great food. Very special time in my life. I remember sometimes we'd be praying. It'd be so late. The brothers would be falling asleep. You know, we'd be like hitting each other, like waking each other up, trying to pray. It shows, again, how weak our flesh is and how much we can't keep it under control sometimes. Jesus said to Peter, can't you just stay awake for one hour and pray with me, please? Peter's like, my flesh, I'm tired, my eyes. Fasting is, is a great discipline in that it teaches us to tell ourselves No. We need to learn the word no in our society. It's amazing here in America, we literally give ourselves whatever we want. And if we don't get it, we start getting angry. Right? If the line at Target is not moving fast enough, you're like, start pacing in the back. Like, who is that up there? Who is that? Which one's faster? Which one's faster? Okay. What, what's the deal? We got a bad checker. Okay. Honey, let's go to number seven. Okay. When we don't get what our flesh wants, what we want now, we start getting frustrated. And the discipline of telling ourselves no in this society is really a bizarre one. It's very foreign to the city of L.A. and really probably to our nation. To tell your feelings no. Your feelings are wrong. I'm going to tell myself no. God would call me to do this. My body is calling me to do this. Well, what are you going to do? We are going to submit ourselves to the Lord above our own desires. That is exactly what calling Jesus Lord is. You are the Lord over my life. You are the God over my life. You are my master. You are my king. I adhere to your commands and what you desire and not my own. This is a foreign concept. We want to be the captain of our own ship. We want to do whatever we want. I'm going to do whatever I feel, whatever I like. If you take that to the extreme, you'll end up doing some very bad things on this earth. If you just follow every desire inside, follow everything you feel, watch what will happen to your body and mind. Maybe it's a good thing that we just learned a little bit of patience standing in line at Target. I have to discipline my own self. It's like, why are you so anxious? Just enjoy the ride. Love on these people. Pray for each one of them in front of you. Take 30 seconds. Lord, bless them. Help them. I was ticked the other day at Ralph's because this dude cut in front of me. The lady literally like was like, okay, do yourself check out, and then I'll get to you. I'll help you out, and this and that. And the guy like literally walks up and like puts all his stuff on the counter, just like, I'm ready. And I'm just like, dude, I want to. Mm. I couldn't believe it. But again, when I walked out of the storm, just like, what's wrong with me? Why am I so irritated by that? Taking away parts of my flesh and taking away some of my sinful negative desires is the best thing I could ever do for my life. It brings more peace to my wife. It will bring more peace to my kids. It will bring more peace to 
the people around me in the workplace. It will bring more peace to my neighbors in the grocery store, wherever I'm at. That's how it starts to happen. We can fast from lots of things. You could fast from TV. You could fast from social media. You could fast from your phone. You can fast from eating. You can fast from, again, all kinds of things. Maybe there's something you need to give up for a little while. And to let that thing go and just try to spend that extra time reflecting a bit more on the Lord and saying no to yourself for a little while. The discipline is a great one. Do you know that Nehemiah fasted and prayed when he heard about the destruction of Jerusalem? We see fasting and praying go, uh, going hand in hand with big decisions in life. We're about to make a big decision. We should probably fast and pray. We should seek God in deep prayer in deep repentance, and deep worship. Nehemiah did this when he heard about the destruction of Jerusalem. He's like, the city's been destroyed. I'm going to fast and pray. We see in Esther, when the Jews learned of the decree that they would be killed, the nation, the Jewish people, when they learned that they were going to be killed, the text says there was great mourning, fasting, and prayer. Like, forget this, put all the food away, we're going to focus 100% on God, we're going to Him about this matter. Daniel fasted and prayed when he sought the Lord in Daniel 3, Daniel 9, 3. We see his prayers and supplication, fasting with sackcloth and ashes on his head. A sign of brokenness, a sign of humility. He lowered himself to the ground. He says, I'm not eating, I'm going to pray and seek God. Joel 2.12 says, Yet even now declares the Lord, Return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Rend your hearts and not your garments. In the Old Testament, as an outward showing that they were broken, they would rip their garments. And they would cry out to the Lord and pray. And God says to them, Hey, you guys do the ripping of your garments really well, but I want to see the ripping of your heart. I want to see this on the inside. I want to see a real commitment to the Almighty. Return to the Lord your God, for He is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. We need the whole nation to fast and pray. We need the whole nation to... Can you imagine if the entire nation just put aside food for an entire day and said, we're going to call upon the Lord to work in us and cause us to love and serve one another? Can you imagine the revival that would take place? We need this more than ever. We need this in our own lives first. The point of fasting is bring us close to God. Here are some helpful practical tips on fasting. Fasting should be limited to a set time, especially when fasting from food. Extended periods of time without eating can be obviously harmful to the body. Fasting is not intended to punish the flesh, but to redirect the attention to God. Very important. Fasting should not be considered a dietary method either. The purpose of a biblical fast is not to lose weight, but rather to gain deeper fellowship with God. Though we looked at health benefits of that in the beginning, Jesus is talking about something different in the text. Anyone can fast, but sometimes may not be able to fast from food. Um, Like a diabetic, for instance, like you need to keep the sugar levels right, and this is important. Those things are understandable, and so... Again, we we need to feel out our own circumstances and situation and figure out what fasting looks like for our lives. Everyone, but everyone can temporarily give up something in order to draw close to God. Everyone can do this. And I would encourage you 
to start thinking about and praying about what that looks like in your life. And I want to let you know that Legacy City Church, yes, our church, we announce fasting once a month. It is the first Monday of every month. And we say, hey, we're going to fast and pray for our city, for our church, and for our own lives. And so don't worry, I'll keep on reminding you, and you choose uh, when that works for you and you step in. If you want more rhythms of that in your life, of course you can do that. What does Jesus say? Let's break down this text, verse 16. Are you there? It says, when you fast. Notice the phrase, when you fast. This is something he is assuming every one of his followers are going to do and something that's ongoing in their life. Look at he doesn't say, I want you to fast. He just says, when you fast, do this. As if it is already a part of their daily lives. When you fast. Though the Bible never commands us that we have to fast, we know that it is beneficial to our spiritual walks. Look at the end of verse 16 here. It says, when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. Huh? They look gloomy? For they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. So these guys would, would fast, and then they would like disfigure their face. They're like, Dude, what happened to your face? Oh, I'm fasting, bro. F fasting. Wow. Your face. Jesus says when you do it, don't do it to be seen by others. This takes away from the whole point of fasting. We are fasting for the Lord, not for people. It all comes down to the heart and motive for why we are doing it. These Pharisees would actually look gloomy and act super weak and down even making their faces look disfigured as if they were overtaken by the fasting and aching in hunger so that people would ask them, are you okay? And they would say, oh yes, I'm fine, I'm just fasting. They were all acting. You see, it was an exterior thing. They weren't actually trying to draw close to God in their hearts. It was just an exterior thing. Their fasting wasn't for God. It was for the praise of people. And Jesus said, they get their reward. It's right there, the praise of people. They have no reward in heaven. They get their reward right there on earth. You did it. You fooled the people. You disfigured their, your face and they looked at you and they thought you were holy even though God knew on the inside that you were not because you were doing it for the praise of people instead of for the praise of Him. Romans 2.6 says, He will render to each one according to his works. Romans 2.6 To those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, He will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. It doesn't mean, let me add this contrast, it doesn't mean we can't let people know we are fasting or encourage other people to fast and pray with us. We can, and I would encourage you that we should. I did it with that group of brothers. It was a blessing. We do this as a church. I'm announcing to you that we will fast on the first Monday of each month. This is a good thing. But if I was to show up like doubling down, like, Pastor Josh, did you fast yesterday? Oh yeah, baby, I went big. Really? What'd you do? You know what? I knew the church was only doing one day, so I went two, water only. Wow, you're holy. I know, I know I'm holy. Thank you. This is terrible. 
I'm doing it to get the praise of people in that moment. But we can do this to cause other people to consider fasting and praying and see close to God. This is a good thing. It ultimately comes down to your heart. Only you know where your heart's at. Only you know where it's at with God. And trust me, we can fool people. It's easy to fool people. People do it all the time. We are in the city of fooling people. This is what we do here. L.A. is full of this. But it doesn't mean that we can't set a good example and encourage people to fast and pray in a right manner. This is a good thing. So Jesus says in verse 17, But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. I love that. He used the word secret. And your Father who sees you in secret will reward you. Praise God. Nobody sees me. Nobody sees what I'm doing. Nobody sees what I'm trying to accomplish for God's glory. Nobody sees me. I'm working so hard in my marriage. I'm working so hard in my family. I'm working so hard in my business. I'm working so hard in my neighbors. Nobody sees me. God sees you. God sees you and He has your reward. Your reward is in heaven. He's blessing you even this day. Even if you can't see it up front, trust me, the promises and the blessings will continue to pour in your life. You be faithful to God. You seek His approval alone. And you will be blessed all the days of your life. I guarantee it. What if I win all of the approval of the world, but I lose the approval of God? What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, but he loses his own soul? I'm sorry. I need one person's approval. The Lord Jesus. We have the opportunity to encourage and bless and build up but what I've noticed after all of these years, again, of ministry and pastoring and all of the rest, at the end of the day, if the heart is not right, just seeking the Lord and walking with Him one day at a time, it all comes out in the end. I am not worried about that. People want to play games or fool this or fool that and all the rest. Honestly, I just say, Lord, that's in Your hands and I just try to look beyond all those things and just keep pointing people to the Lord. Lila's giving me a nice amen. Praise God. Thank you. Jesus says, don't show your fasting. Or put oil on your, take the olive oil and put it on your face. Make yourself look really, really healthy. They're like, man, you're healthy. You must have eaten a great meal last night. You're like, thank you. Thank you. He's almost like, do it so that no one can see that you're fasting. Try to do the opposite so that we're not working to gain the praise from people. What he means by that, again, is not that we can't share with other people that we are fasting or encouraging them to do that. What he's saying is we don't need to make an announcement every single day that we are fasting, every single day for the rest of our life, everywhere we go, right? We go into the grocery store, I oh, just want to let you know I'm fasting, okay? Uh, we, you know, we go into this place, we go to the bank, we go to that place, excuse me, I'm fasting, excuse me, excuse me, I'm fasting. No, no, we, we're, we're not trying to do this, again, to gain the approval of people. We are doing this to bless the Lord and draw close to Him. This doesn't mean if we go out with someone and they uh, 
They're like, let's get some food. You don't have to hide that you are fasting. You know, but, um, um, well, uh, e, uh, pastor said I can't. Okay, um, bye. You know, like, don't do that. Like, you can just say, you know, I'm, uh, you know, yeah, I'll come and get a juice with you or something, or I'll just come and have a glass of water. I'd love to come and hang out, but uh, I probably won't be eating. You know, I'm, I'm trying to fast today. It, again, the, the, these, these specific rules and rituals are not important. The heart is what is important. And that's what God is looking at. And so if your motive and your desire is to bless God in the end, the exterior is not that important. It's just that Jesus points all of these exterior things out because the Pharisees were literally manipulating the exterior to be seen by everyone. Look at verse 18. That your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who is in secret will reward you. I love this phrase, will reward you. The reward from people doesn't always, it, well, it never satisfies now, does it? You get the reward. You, you, you accomplish something. You, you reach a pinnacle. You get a raise. Something happens. And it's awesome for like a month, right? And then it's like, for some reason, it goes away. It's really a trip how this happens. It's like you reach reward from people, and it just never ultimately satisfies. Why? Because we are ultimately seeking the approval of Almighty God as His creation. Proverbs 29, 25 says, The fear of man lays a snare, or the fear of people is a trap. It's literally a booby trap. Get away from that thing. Watch out, there's a snare on the ground. You're going to get snatched up. But whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Safe. We trust in God. We turn our gaze to Him. We look to Him for approval. Then your heart is safe. Your mind is safe. Your emotions are safe. Look, we want to minister. I, I, there's, a, there's a huge part of me that wants the approval of the church, no doubt. I want you guys to think I'm a good pastor. I want you guys to be pleased with the work that I'm trying to do for the people and for Almighty God. But if my life lives and dies on the approval of the church, I will go mad. I'll be running around trying to please everybody on the planet, and I will go mad. So what do I have to do? I'm going to work to do the best I can to shepherd the people of God, but ultimately I'm looking to be faithful to Him and what He has called me to do. And if I do that in the end, I'm safe. My mind is safe. My heart is safe. And then, with, Amen. And then when something goes sideways or somebody gets mad at me, my, my joy and my peace and my rest isn't founded upon that in particular. It's founded upon the Lord. So my foundation is secure. Am I saddened by these things? Of course. I get saddened and I get attached and I, things happen and I get bummed out for a couple days. My whole life doesn't fall apart because of a couple people's disapproval. It's okay. Man is always going to disapprove. You're going to have people who are stoked on what you're doing. Then you're going to have other people who are all ticked off and try to bomb you. It's going to happen. So we need to find our security in Him and Him alone. Amen? Hebrews chapter 13, verse 6. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? What can man do to me? I love it. Galatians 1.10. For I am now seeking the approval of man or God. Am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Matthew 10, 28, Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both the soul and the body in hell. Who's that? 
the one who gives and takes life, I am in way more fear and want to be in way more relationship with my God than with just mere human beings. I want to give you four things as we close as what, happen, uh, what fasting will do for us. Number one, you ready? Fasting keeps you humble. Number one, fasting keeps you humble. It reminds us of our dependence on the Lord. The moment of hunger reminds us of how weak we are by ourselves. Think about how weak we are as humans if we don't have two simple things, food and water. We can't survive. We start breaking down. It shows us who we are as beings. God doesn't need either of them, and He is eternal. From everlasting to everlasting, we are finite, simple creatures who can do nothing apart from the Lord. Notice how broken or grumpy we become over lack of food. Some of your stomachs are already telling you right now, like, Pastor, you better wrap this baby up. I smell tacos. Right? We get hangry, right? We start getting mad. You're hungry, aren't you? Yeah. You ever watch the show Alone? I think it's on the uh, History Channel. They dropped like 10 people out in the middle of Canada, up in the middle of nowhere, and they literally don't have a film crew or anything. They have to run the cameras themselves, and they have to survive, and they're given 10 items to survive out in the middle of nowhere by themselves, and whoever survives the longest gets a million bucks. But you don't know when the other nine have tapped out. You're just there alone by yourself waiting for this boat to show up and say, you won. And they stay out there for months at a time, and there's bears and wolverines and all kinds of stuff. One guy kills a moose, like, and he has food, stakes it away. Then the wolverines come and steal it away from him. The birds peck at them. I mean, it is crazy. The ice shows up, and it is like, and you see these people start to fall apart quickly in a matter of weeks. In a matter of weeks, they are falling apart. You want to know why? They don't have food. Their, their stomachs are eating them from the inside out, and it's burning up every piece of fat they have on their body, and they literally, you just watch people's, the, the inside, they just start to crumble from the inside because there's no crew coming to show up with a Big Mac. Ain't going to happen. No in and out for you. And they're out there by themselves in the ice trying to dig through the ice so that they can get some fish. And it's amazing to watch what happens to a human being and how humble we can become. You are humbled out there in the middle of nowhere in Canada when you are by yourself. Rewind a couple thousand years. Watch this. Can you imagine being by yourself with your family? There ain't no grocery store. And all of a sudden, you don't have food and you don't have water. You got your family and you're trying to figure out what to do. What are you going to do? You're going to start crying out to the sky. And please... If there is a God, save me. Send us a bird, something, please. I'm going to die out here. You get humbled real fast. And then all of a sudden, a deer comes walking across your path. And you're like, what? You see, we are so taken care of in this society, we don't need God. We're never pushed to our extreme into places where we have to cry out to God and beg Him to save us. 
sometimes emotionally, sometimes mentally, it starts to happen. Praise God, it does in this society, but physically, almost never. Unless something bad happens like a car accident, something terrible goes down. Fasting humbles us. It reminds us of our frame. We are but dust, made in the hands of God, formed by the hands of God, breathed in those nostrils. Job 5.11, so that he sets on high those who are lowly, and those who mourn are lifted to safety. Proverbs 29.23, a man's pride will bring him low, but a humble spirit will obtain honor. John 4, James 4.10 says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Number two, fasting brings more time in prayer. We've talked about this. A day to focus on prayer with God instead of eating, thinking about the Lord when your body aches, lifting the great burdens and matters of your life unto the Lord. Psalm 55, 22, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. Wow. Fasting kills the flesh and strengthens the spirit. Point number three, fasting reminds us to sacrifice. As we give up our personal comfort, it reminds us that we are called not to live for our own glory and our own desires and our own flesh, but we are called to live unto the Lord. We're not called, again, to follow our feelings. We are called to sacrifice our desires to follow the Lord. Romans 12.1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, verse 2. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Point number four, and finally, fasting helps us fight sin. It builds self-control and discipline. The repetition of saying no to yourself is powerful, very powerful, especially when the Spirit of God has filled you. We need to practice this more and more, more than ever. 1 Corinthians 9.25 says, Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable, so do not run aimlessly. I do not box one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. We should practice telling ourselves no spiritually for a little while. Then we would be able to tell ourselves no when temptation comes and when the enemy comes to tear down our family and our marriage and our church and our business. Maybe we should practice telling ourselves no a couple times and telling the Lord yes. Amen? Let us be a people who set aside time to pray and seek the Lord. Let's bring back the ancient discipline of fasting, especially when we have important matters of life, big decisions to make in life going on. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word, and we thank you that you are with us. I pray for everyone here today. Oh, Lord, that you would work in our hearts. You would work in our minds. Lord, you know where we're at spiritually. You know what's going on in life. You know all the decisions we're making. You know all the things we're working through. And we pray, Father, please, that you would fill us with your Spirit. That you would give us wisdom. That you would give us vision. And Lord, I pray that we would turn away from the ways of the world and turn to you with all of our hearts. And Lord, if there are people making that decision right now in this place, calling upon you to be saved, I ask, Lord, that you would save them. 
Forgive them of their sins. As they believe on your death, burial, and resurrection, as they believe on you as Lord and Savior, forgive their sins. Draw them into close relationship with you. Raise them to life. I pray that their walk with you, with you would grow closer than ever before. We love you, Lord. We commit ourselves to you this week. We pray that you would teach us to pray. We love you, Lord. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.